Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground. The black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Zach Celedonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, and joining me here today, you may recognize this guy from somewhere. I don't know. I had to do all new graphics, put things down in the corner and everything else for one. Zach Flash Celadonia. Hey, welcome back, man. What's going on? Hey, thanks. Glad to be here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I was talking about how we might tackle this show, how we might approach this. I think we could both agree. Neither of us are in a very good mood right now. Um, some people don't understand how football can put you in such a sour mood. And then you see everything on social media. It just kind of cracks me up. Like, I can get, like, instant, like, the knee-jerk reactions that people have. Like right after the game, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, maybe they were out, they go out to dinner, they finally get on. Maybe they're not on social media right away. They get, they hop on the Facebook after they, you know, uh, burp and fart and whatever after dinner, before bed, whatever. But it's like the folks that are like going to be, they're going to be talking about this nonstop for like the next few days. It's just going to nauseate me. You see it this morning, like it's some like big revelation. It's like, yo, I know this is like the news to you, X, whatever comment that you made, blah, 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 Charlie Brown voice, wah, 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 wah. And I was like, I've heard that 10 times already. Like it's not an original thought. And then there's people that are like, then they'll retweet it and then they'll, um, or they'll post it like in multiple Facebook groups and stuff. There's like a Facebook group I'm ready to just get out of Dodge on all together. That I, like I hang out in these things. I'm usually silent. I try and bite my lip. But man, there are some really bad comments out there, and it's almost like the bad takes of the week thing that you were trying to do at first. And I think we got to start to approach this game. 13-10 loss. Cleveland Browns on the road at Cleveland, rookie quarterback, second start all time. Browns are now seven and three. Steelers dropped to six and four. We were talking off air. First priority here is there's a lot of football left. So, like, no reason to like jump off a bridge, any of them. There's plenty of them in Pittsburgh or wherever you may be. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, like everybody kind of s- slow down for a second. We're going to take a look at all of these things. It doesn't look necessarily positive because I think what it is, is Zach, uh, uh, scraping the surface. People feel entitled to beat the Cleveland Browns because that's just the way it's been since 1999 when they were brought back as an expansion team with their previous legacy or whatever before they moved to Baltimore. It was like probably this was the rivalry, right? 
And it wasn't much of a rivalry. I think um, if I had to look it up, Mike Tomlin was what against this team? I know Kevin Stefanski was two and five. Uh, let's see. Mike Tomlin was uh, 26, six and one all time against the Browns. Now it's like fire everybody. And I, they, you hear it every time they lose. And I could see why this one might be a little bit of a better taste in everyone's mouth because they feel like they should have walked all over this team, especially all considering. But the Steelers have enough of their own problems too. Like you just need to kind of slow your roll and see how this goes forward. Yeah, it's it's really tough being the 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 Steeler guy in your friend group. I mean, most of my friends and family, the company I keep, we all are Steelers fans. But when you're known as that being your like dominant personality trait, everybody looks to you for answers. Everybody wants to vent to you. You get phone calls after the game, text messages, tweets, and I don't want to belittle the loss in any way. Yesterday was a bad loss for the Steelers. There was some bad football being played by the Steelers, but you have to see the bigger picture and and take what small good things you can from the season that we've had so far. We lost, but we're still in the playoffs as it stands right now. There's still football left. The Steelers can still make the playoffs and possibly win a game. Um, but I won't hide the fact that yesterday's game was ugly. There was a lot of bad things to break down from the offensive standpoint, from the quarterback standpoint, from the defensive standpoint, coaching decisions, really, it's hard to find anything that went well yesterday. I, I found myself in different times during the game about to send a tweet about something good I noticed, and then I wasn't able to send it because two seconds later, something bad would happen. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, it, it, right now, we're at critical mass in Pittsburgh. People feel like the sky is falling and people are really pissed off and they have a right to feel that way as a fan. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty sight yesterday, but things can get better. They still can. Um, currently, though, uh, I don't feel too good. I, I, I wish I had more answers for people than, than I'm going to try to produce on this show. But I, I, I slept on it, and I definitely felt worse right after the game yesterday than I do right now. Sometimes all you need is to walk away, calm down, cool off for a little bit. You don't want to always react emotionally it's hard not to when Thanks, talking brother. about your favorite sports team <laughs> talking about your livelihood or talking about a relationship that you have but sometimes the best thing to do is just step away for a little bit try to compartmentalize figure out where to go from here and i i woke up feeling a little bit better i'm still pissed off i'm still really mm -hmm. upset uh because of how the game went yesterday but you know when you are in a division like the Steelers are, the AFC North, every game is magnified. Every game is so important. Every every NFL division, the divisional games are important. But there's something about AFC North football that I don't know if it's the rivalries amongst fan base. I don't know what it is, but they just they just sting a little bit more when you lose, even if you are still quote unquote alive in the playoff race. Oh, absolutely. There's still three more AFC North games to go to on the Steelers schedule. They got the Cincinnati Bengals this upcoming Sunday, which is a whole other story. Uh, the Bengals are dropped the five and five, but they're own three in the division and have lost Joe Burrow for the season. Uh, most people would be salivating, you know what I mean? Like sharks with the blood in the water. But Steelers had enough of their own issues even going into this game yesterday. Um, but taking it from like the macro perspective of the first thing I saw was I saw some ridiculous stuff. I see people that are like, 
every everywhere from bring back Mike Munchak to <laughs> uh, play Mason Rudolph. I, I saw people wanting to put Rudolph in yesterday. He's emergency quarterback. He just can't just yank him off the bench. They're not going to bench Kenny anyways. Uh, some people are like still on the Mitch Trubisky hasn't had a chance train. I'm so sick of hearing that. But right at the top, there was somebody that said, well, this is all because Rooney's cheap. And I'm like, what? Rooney doesn't spend money. And I saw that comment like multiple times. I'm like, maybe somebody out there listening or watching this can tell me where the hell does that come from? Because the NFL has a salary cap. And you get penalized if you don't spend up to a certain amount of money on that on said salary cap. Like, where is he being cheap? Because um, I remember hearing the Roonies would never re-sign TJ Watt and give him this guaranteed money and blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, behold, made him like the highest paid player until the next guy. But at the time when he signs his contract, highest paid, you know, edge rusher. Oh, they're not going to sign. A lot of money. A lot of money put in the defense. Yeah. Alex Highsmith, <laughs> uh, same thing this offseason. They went out and they they kept Deontay Johnson. They went and uh, made Mika Fitzpatrick a uh, highest paid season safety at the time he signed his contract and I, I just don't understand where where that comes from now I'll give you a little more to chew off of this ownership then it goes to coaching and I understand we could talk about Matt Canada all day long we will we'll get into different players and plays uh certainly he's an issue uh, like Mike Tomlin, oh, he's got to go it's too much complacent stuff oh they'll just play for another 500 season it's like you want did you see what the AFC looks like? Do you think the Steelers are the only ones who have these sorts of issues? Uh, the Dolphins are seven and three. Okay, the Buffalo Bills are six and five. Okay, they've already had five losses. They've lost more games than the Steelers. Also, they haven't had their bye week yet, so their record is a little different. But uh, you look at a team like the Jets, uh, four and six, and they lost Aaron Rodgers. That was they were all in on that, right? You got. Um, who else run? There's just like how many teams in the AFC actually have a losing record? You got the you got the Jets, the Patriots. The Patriots are two and eight. You got the Tennessee Titans at three and seven. And you got the Chargers, the Chargers at four and at four and six, and the Raiders at five and six. I'm sorry, I forgot about the Raiders too. And the Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert, and people are like, oh well, I wish they could have had Justin Herbert. Or they can get Justin. No, he just signed a big long term contract. This isn't like an organization problem thing here. This is parity in the NFL. Damn there, every team is playing 500 ball across the AFC with the exception of what, like two, three, you know, whatever. And you got the game that'll be tonight with the Eagles and the Chiefs. So, I, I mean, where I'm trying to go with this is, is like, how is ownership the problem? You could certainly do worse with coaching. You might be able to get a new young mind in there, but I mean, Mike Tomlin lives, breeds football. And there's a lot of critique about why doesn't he do this? Or why did he do that? Or whatever. I think he's playing with a very limited hand. I don't know where to where he's handcuffed. We know that Mike Tomlin has been said that he hires and fires his own staff. I don't know if Rare Rooney comes in with that. You get these comments about Mike Tomlin doesn't want to hire anyone where he would be upstaged. But at the same time, think about it in your own job. Last year, they bring in Brian Flores, right? I wish they would have kept Brian Flores. I wish Brian Flores would have been the defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh instead of in Minnesota. You saw how he's turned that team around. But at the same time, you're just going to fire. You have What grounds do you have to fire Terrell Austin? What kind of um, precedent does that set when you are hiring staff? Well, as soon as I'm interested in the next guy, your ass is gone. You know what I mean? It's like a player losing their job to injury. So I'm not like necessarily going to throw them out there. And my last comment on this very long winded was like with the back Canada thing, 
yeah, he sucks. We've been saying that all year long. We have very, I don't have any defense of him. Like I used to defend at least Todd Haley. I didn't really defend Randy Fickner either. I thought Randy Fickner was just Ben's buddy and it was disguised a lot because you had a future hall of fame quarterback with Matt Canada. It was more or less. Okay. Kenny wasn't quarterback one. He wasn't even quarterback two at training camp last year. He didn't start the season as quarterback one. So let's get an off season. Let's not change his offensive coordinators. Let's not rock the boat too much. That also leaves the argument of maybe they should just scrap the whole thing and start it over because they could be, they could be ruining this guy, you know? Uh, so it's like, we've seen what happens with quarterbacks when you change offensive coordinators too frequently. And I'll leave it at that for you until we get into the individual players and how this game went. But I just see that like, there's so many different levels of this where I think people are just like, well, it's coaching. Well, it's this. And it's like, it's not the Steeler way to just blow everything up. And you got a six and four team. They might be playing like crap, but they they're still winning games. What point yeah. do you blow? What do you blow this up? That would, it sounds, it sounds crazy. Even if like two and eight Patriots, are you going to blow that up with Bill Belichick? Who's been coaching like close to 30 years and has all this success and his assistants, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think so. No, no. I mean, I think the Patriots and Steelers are in, are in vastly different positions right now, but I, to, to get to the points you made, Rooney being cheap or the Rooney's being cheap is laughable considering that we are not too far removed from Ben Roethlisberger absolutely screwing the cap situation because they paid him so much money. They have the highest paid defense or they used to, they, they pay dudes that that's factual. It's not hard to look that up. So they're not cheap. Uh, as far as coaching is concerned, the grass isn't always greener. People have wanted Tomlin fired for the past 10 years. And I still think he's a good coach. <clears throat> he has his flaws uh, as most coaches do. He makes mistakes. Sean McDermott and Brian Dable were the apple of everyone's eye last year, and they both are not mm -hmm. coaching well this year, really at all. Tomlin's out coaching both of them, and McDermott is a certified good coach, has tenure, has has proven success. Dable, coach of the year last year, but that just shows you how how different things can be in a calendar year in the NFL season. When you have a guy as stable and as consistent as Tomlin, it, that, that, that means something. And I think... <clears throat> This loss meant so much to Steeler fans yesterday and to analysts everywhere, not only because we looked so bad on offense and we played so bad, but it was the, it was the shock factor, I think, really, uh, of losing to the Browns, number one, losing to DTR in his second overall start after in his first start, he looked terrible. So there and it was in Cleveland. Emotions were high. It's the shock factor that people react to and, and makes everybody want to say like Tomlin's got to go. Canada's got to go. He, he might have to go, but Tomlin's got to go. Kenny's got to get benched. Like all these things, man, it's okay to say it was a bad job yesterday by all hands on deck. It was a terrible performance, offense, defense, special teams, coaching. It's okay to say all that. It's okay to say that it was a failure without saying this means everybody's going to get fired. Yeah. Like, that's just how sports are. I'm not saying fans don't have a right to be upset. They do. I am upset. Um, I don't think Tomlin should be fired, but I get why people are mad at him. But this is this is just how it goes when you lose a game in the NFL. Everybody wants everybody gone, but the fact of the matter is, nobody's going to get fired this week. Could, could moves be made at the end of the season, uh, in particular at the offensive coordinator position or even possibly defensive coordinator? Sure. But halfway through the season, they're not going to do anything drastic like that at this at this stage. Yeah, you know what I was going to say, Zach? 
I don't feel defense was a problem in this game overall, all considering. And we're going to cover that. Uh, actually, should that be the next thing? I was uh, trying to gain my bearings here because just on the coaches, the owners. Oh, you mentioned something about DTR. Uh, second, he did. He was like basically thrown in there against the Ravens without like any preparation. It reminded me of Mason Rudolph getting thrown in against the Detroit Lions with what was that? Was was Ben like a COVID thing or whatever uh, back then? I don't remember what. That it sounds was. right. Sounds right. I don't know. It might have been before predated that. I don't remember. Um, I, it's just funny that so many people hated on that guy too, Mason Rudolph. That is. And now all of a sudden it's like they want to give him a chance. Oh, is it because you saw him throw for 300 yards against the Browns in like a game where they were missing they sat eight starters at the end of the season and had a lock for the playoffs in that 2020 season? That's like I've been trying to tell people that for a while that maybe he should have gotten a chance. And you got people that say, oh, he got a chance. And you got people that say, oh, well, Kenny's been given enough of a chance. Bench him. And I'm like, oh, that's just so bad. But, uh, yeah, let's flip over to the defense. Well, you know what? We could do special teams first. Actually, Presley Harvin a third can go. Like, just don't don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. I've had enough of with those positions when you're talking about kickers in the NFL. It's a very like you could be more patient with like a rookie quarterback or a second year quarterback, or you get into year three and then you're kind of like, and eh, that's kind of why I brought up the Patriots because they got Mac Jones and it's like, what are they going to do there? Uh, obviously, they're kind of handicapped. The development of the quarterback isn't the way it should have been. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Mac Jones like make a Pro Bowl or something his rookie year? Like, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, he was like an alternate twice removed. They, yeah. they also made the playoffs when he was a rookie too. Yeah. And it's just been like all downhill since then for Mac Jones. Yeah, and that's my point with like when people were like, I'll oh, play Mitch Trubisky or something like that. But with the kickers and the punters, like, what do you owe? Like, press it just please. Like, Brad Wing was doing fine. Like, maybe Brad Wing probably isn't the paradigm of consistency either. But man, that shanked punt that happened in the game. And of course, the Steelers were the beneficiary of a shanked one from Bjorquez. Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit too. But defensively, the Steelers came in handicapped. You talk about Mike Tomlin, we talk about Terrell Austin, we talk about all of these different various things. Yes, the final drive of the game, not so great. We'll get to that too. But just on a, on this level, okay, TJ Watt is probably the Steeler right now. He is the only guy that's really showing out. The Browns paid so much special attention to him. The Pittsburgh TJ Watts is what I call him. Yeah, they should be. I mean, he's playing his mind out. Not to say that Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward's obviously not 100%. He was down on his butt a couple of times and had to be helped up. Uh, he was, you know, limited in practice because of that groin. And he's trying to get out there and contribute and play. I think Keanu Benton has been, what do we say? Put the rookie class in, use these guys. And all of these guys have been contributors. But Benton is, was the one where... I was really looking at somebody like defensive line. I'm like, go get him, go get him. And he has been, he's been balling, man. He's making like, yeah, Ben's been good tackles outside at the numbers. We saw it again yesterday and the, def the defense in general. Okay. So you had to play Mike, Michael Walker, who was with the Falcons was a practice squad guy somewhere, chiefs, something or other. They plucked him from, I can't remember, uh, but he was a veteran player, but wasn't picked up by anybody because nobody saw him as like much more than depth. Not an improvement, definitely not a starter on your team. So this is a guy you got to plug into this system now to try and beat the Cleveland Browns, rookie quarterback or not. Rookie quarterbacks can be tricky too because you don't have tape, you don't have film on them, you don't know what to expect. Browns, um, 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. You got Trenton Thompson. You got Elijah Riley, who didn't even finish. Trenton the game. Thompson played good. Trenton Thompson balled. I, I liked what I saw from Trenton Thompson, especially because I, I liked him in preseason. Um, I, he's got good ball skills, good range, good size, good instincts. Uh, went to San Diego State, like DeMonte Casey. So um, there's something in the water there where they're able to develop ball skills and, and ball tracking. He almost had a pick, might have been a pick six. Uh, uh, yeah, there he is, rocking number 17 in the secondary. That's yeah. a sight. But, um, I know, I like that his, throws me off. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I, I, I like his tools. Um, I was excited. He got an opportunity and, and he shined. So uh, maybe they found something there. Um, there aren't a lot of positives to take away from yesterday, but I thought that Trenton Thompson uh, played really well, given given the circumstance that he was put in. Yeah, this is going to give me an opportunity to talk about officiating at some point too, because I don't know how this crew, Sean Hockley, calls one one penalty against the Cleveland Browns all day long. Joey Porter Jr. gets tagged for hand fighting that was literally nothing you had amari cooper pushing off the entire what felt like the entire game i thought patrick peterson played very well too i thought peterson's really been coming into his own i He'd still be better yeah i still don't know and some of that is because porter is ascended he, porter's cornerback one they're not doing this um kind of jazz now where joe hayden just plays on one side of the field and the other dude plays on the other this has been uh joey porter was roaming around and following Amari Cooper for much of this game too that I noticed. Yeah, and that penalty, that ball, DTR put that in the first first row of the stands. Yeah, I know. I, I really didn't think like I don't know if a quarterback ever does that, and the refs just decide that like the quarterback saw that, so he just wanted to get it in the vicinity, and they throw the flag. Yeah, but by definition, I thought that ball was pretty uncatchable. Yeah, it's when the see it's a tough thing to say about officiating too, and it's going to be me kind of defending it. When the decision in your mind is made, isn't necessarily when the flag is thrown. And as a human being, you're going to, did I see what I thought I just saw? You're going to make, you might second guess it. You might not always go with the gut instinct and you've got to do this in split second with elite athletes at the professional level. Very difficult to do. So that could very well be it. It was, oh, well, DTR is throwing this in his, well, he just threw it in his stance because this guy's not available to throw to because he was just held. Very likely, yes. And then yeah. that, okay, valid penalty. Just didn't seem like a whole lot now. <laughs> like, it just seemed like no matter what, the Steelers weren't going to catch a break in this game. They did, however, hold the Cleveland Browns running game 
for the most part. Um, they had 96 yards. It was distributed. There was a little bit. DTR got uh, out, squirted out a little bit. But we're talking about Kareem Hunt only having three yards per average, 12 carries for 36 yards, a drum forward, 12 for 31, a 2-6 average. I'm going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Now, they have backup tackles. They didn't really get home much. I know Watt got the one sack. Dewan Jones was kind of playing half the game. I think he got about 30 snaps. And, you know, he's the rookie out of Ohio State that I'm still a little irritated that ended up in Cleveland. Well, they did a good job of of, uh, neutralizing. I guess, well, TJ Watt still got a sack, but the Browns knew that the Steelers' strength of their defense, their healthy strength, was TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. A lot of the game centered around the Browns running in the middle, away from those two, so that they wouldn't be factors in the game. And it worked for the most part. Uh, You didn't hear a lot from TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith. So um, I was was a little – I was impressed – with uh, the way, the manner at which the Steelers were able to kind of stifle the Browns' run game. They got a few holes. They had a few squirts. Um, but I feel like tackling uh, really came through in a big way for the Steelers, where in the past X amount of years, we've seen a lot of ugly tackling in Pittsburgh and a lot of runs that should have been shorter runs go for long gains because the Steelers just don't wrap up and tackle. That was another uh, one of the few positives I noticed yesterday that was when the Browns would manage to get like uh, ahead of steam, you know, and go for four or five yards. They didn't get much more than that. They were wrapped up on first contact. And that was a good point of emphasis from the defense. I think was the tackling was on point. Absolutely. Landon Roberts was playing out of his mind. <laughs> I mean, he played, uh, did he play a hundred percent or 99? Hold on. He only missed one, one snap. I know nope, he played the full game, all 75 defensive snaps. The only other yeah, guy man, who my did, man's in shape. Demonte Case. Oh, he was, but he was sucking wind because he hadn't been playing 100% game at this point. You, were, They relied on him to do everything. Michael Walker, 84%, 63 of 75 snaps. Just Walker was in the right place at the right time and if, with a few a few plays, but there was one play in particular down by the goal line. Uh, Jerome Ford, I believe, up the middle. Uh, Walker read it perfectly, fired through his gap, and like wrapped Ford up, and Ford bounced to the outside, and was tackled by somebody else but it's like walker had a had it going for a minute there he, he knows what he's doing it's just i think him not playing football all season long that the, the rust showed up a little bit too yeah absolutely and i mean like cam hayward got spelled a little bit you had Benton with 39 snaps hayward with 46 ogan joby with 53 um but they still like the, i thought the defense did its job for all the names like alan roberts was like I know they're working on everybody having green dots, but for all intents and purposes, let's talk, let's call it what it is. Cole Holcomb is green dot, and Quan, uh, Quan Alexander was green dot too. That's what the way it was really set up to be. And Alandon Roberts is really thought of as more of like just a, a downhill type linebacker, or Vince Williams, not a cover guy, anything like that. Uh, so it'll be it's going to be interesting to see how they match up and some of the things that they do. We've had the speculation. I wish I would have said this on the podcast ahead of all of this last week because i was like i mentioned the name and i mentioned how they've gone through like it makes me ill thinking about all the inside linebackers that have been hurt in pittsburgh over the years starting from shazier and you go all the way down the line after that then every guy that's replaced him uh, whether they've been effective or not and even replacing vince williams for that matter you've had like lj fort you've had sean spence you've had john bostick somebody actually i think said that Bostic did one of these sites or articles that Brian was talking about. Oh, they could go out and get, but no, they don't know Bostic or, um, 
Avery Williamson. Avery Williamson's a name I forgot about because uh, the trade deadline, it came out and it was like Steelers trade moves. I'm like, man, I totally forgot about that dude. Like afterthought and a half and really like out of the league, I think right after that, uh, Mark, Bar Mark Barron, um, Devin Bush, like, would they go and grab somebody like Devin? But like, it didn't even occur to me. It's like Bush, I, I mean, he might be on a practice squad for the Seahawks. I'm not even sure if he's in the league right now. I have to go back and look. But I forgot that Miles Jack actually retired. And I was like, the reason Miles Jack was let go was because of an $8 million cap hit for a guy that, you know, they didn't get a whole lot of production at this position. Would he be willing to come back and play for a lesser role and lesser money? Probably not. Okay. Shake hands. Thank you for your time in Pittsburgh. Now it's like, who's available? It's still out there. I mean, the Browns, with even with their quarterback situation as it is, they're obviously not enamored with PJ Walker being the only option for their rookie from UCLA. They went out and they're grabbing Joe Flacco off the, you know, off the heap. Who else is out there? Well, it looks like um Miles Jack might be unretiring. May hear that he's gonna be in Pittsburgh, take physical because they don't like Mark Robinson in this role for whatever reason. And I think the real reason is, is that he has not developed to the point where, remember, this is only his third year playing as an inside linebacker. He had one year in college as a linebacker. It's why he was, what, a sixth or seventh round pick. So they're going to throw him out there over uh, Michael Walker. I know he just hasn't been in the t uh, with the team, but he's been in the league for three, four years. He has, uh, you know, dozens of starts, 100 tackles or so the year before okay, here's a guy that, like, when he sees something on the field, this isn't the first time he's seeing it. That's the problem with maybe Mark Robinson. So I don't necessarily want to say that Robinson's in the doghouse because if he was that far in the doghouse, they got rid of everybody but Mark Robinson this offseason in that linebacker with the inside linebacker group. So Yeah, I think they like yeah. Robinson's potential and they like his ceiling as a prospect. But, yeah, he just hasn't developed at the speed at which you would like for uh, a young guy too. But again, yeah, he's a seventh round pick. He's a former converted running back. So you can't expect that much of this kid. He's a good special teams player. And in small instances on defense, he's been able to come in and play the run game well, but he's not a, he's not a starter. He's not the answer at starter. The Steelers made the right call in my opinion in, in starting Michael Walker instead of Robinson with Roberts, because Walker just has more NFL experience, more proven success playing linebacker in the NFL than Robinson does. This isn't a, a death sentence on Robinson's career by any means. He's just still very young and very raw. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, I'll say the most for the defense. We'll come back around to the final drive because we got to talk about the offense a little bit as well. Uh, don't, I think we hit most of the points when it comes to the Steelers defensively, hopefully make a Fitzpatrick's back. I know they were talking about working out Eric Rowe, uh, formerly yeah. of the Dolphins and a couple of other teams, like bringing in another veteran guy. Cause Keanu Neal just went on. Uh, I mean, you're going to like shout, like I'm going to yell because it's just like, you don't expect to lose this many safeties. And when you pl can play Neal, Neal has always been injury prone, but that's like part of like how you shield him or Quan Alexander guys that were injury prone is by not playing them hundred percent of the game. Other guys get hurt. You're forced to put them into action and guess what happens? They get hurt. It yeah, sucks. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to Eric Rowe or miles Jack coming in here to help just with some veteran leadership and give us some more depth because yeah, we're, we're starting to teeter on the line here of, of being pretty desolated. Um, they're already starting guys that have been in the locker room for like two weeks. That's a sign that you've got problems, injury problems. Uh, Minka's supposed to come back. 
You still got Casey and Trenton Thompson played well uh, with his chance against the Browns. Yes, he but did. I would still take a guy like Eric Rowe just to feel better about the depth back there because we're one or two injuries away here, um, in particular from the middle of the defense, whether it's safety or linebacker, where we're we're already teetering on code orange here. We're, we're being full-on code red. So um, I'm very bullish on how Trenton Thompson performed, but I would still take a guy like Eric Rowe just to shore up that backfield while we wait for the ultimate return of Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, and Neil could be back too. Uh, Cause he wasn't put on season ending IR, but it's going to be at least a couple more games here. If we get to see him again. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think they extended it to four now. Cause during COVID it was like three. The one thing yeah. I like about the NFL now is that the IR spot is not like a death sentence for any players. So yeah, they specify if it's season ending or not. Yeah. Yeah. They, and you could bring him back uh, or try to bring him back. Once this is what happened with Calvin Austin last year was they tried to bring him back. They activated that 21-day window. They had him at practice. He tweaked something, got hurt again. It's like, well, you go back on IR, then you're done. Like, you can't just yeah. keep coming on and off. It used to be you could only bring, like, one guy back, and then there was, like, two guys back. That's why Senkway's Golson never got, like, off the ground. And they, that one year, they held him into, like, October before, like, other injuries forced, like, they had to do the transaction, put him on IR, and finish his season. And poor guy never really got to play. If it was structured the way it is now, he may have been able to come back, like, later in the year, November, December. And maybe we're not talking about, like, a, I hate saying wasted pick. You could never foresee injuries or bad, bad fortune like that. Um, But, yeah, uh, what you were saying um, with the code orange, that's where I've been. I'm starting to get like flashbacks of like the 2019 season. And that's kind of where the offense was. And now you're back. Uh, you're coming back around. That was one of the things like where somebody was like, oh, Mike Munchak, whatever. I absolutely like Mike Munchak, all fame player, oodles of experience, former head coach. They weren't a good run team the last year that he was here because that line started to fall apart. Marcus Gilbert was the first to fall. Bouncy started to get up in age. DeCastro started to have nagging injuries. Alejandro Villanueva was always kind of like a guy that played above, you know, played up to their level at least. You know what I mean? Ramon Foster was getting old. It was a good group of guys that Munchak had for those years, and they had a good offensive scheme with Todd Haley. So I can't blame Pat Meyer here because you see, you see glimpses of it, and you saw it yesterday again with Jalen Warren. And it comes back around. I'm mentioning offensive line, run game, and running backs first before we get to quarterback and passing game. But, oh, where do I want to go what with this? passing game? Well, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to mention much of it, right? But Warren has his second consecutive. Last week was his first 100-yard rushing game in the National Football League. Comes back around with a uh, another big game here and pretty much the only offense that the Steelers had, a 74-yard touchdown run uh nine carries 129 yards this was at a time where the Steelers kind of felt like it was a seven or uh, a 14.3 average because of that 74 right um so if you took the 74 out hold on this is gonna be maths with Joe so 129 and then the other eight carries it was, it was a 6.8 yards per carry otherwise if you take out the big run on the other which eight is what carries. everybody loves to do every negative nail it's like oh well if you take out the most important play it really wasn't that impressive but you just did right there, take out his big touchdown run. Jalen Warren's still averaging over six yards a clip. Jalen Warren is playing like the best running back in the NFL. I, no gray area. <laughs> That's hard He's to playing see. like the best yeah. running back yeah. in the entire NFL. And it's, it's why I'm starting to agree more and more with the fans being like, 
What's going on with the distribution of labor here, as Tomlin likes to say with the running back position? Najee, great locker room guy, runs downhill, runs hard. Jalen Warren at this point, man, he's he's pretty clearly, crystal clearly better. And he is the center focal point of the offense. Like Occasionally, if we're lucky, we'll get a deep shot to George Pickens, maybe Deontay, a couple possession catches. It is the Jalen Warren show on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And he's the only reason why they had any life going into the second half with his long touchdown run, his ridiculous conversions. When Kenny Pickett dumps it off to him for one yard, he takes it 12 yards, which I, which honestly makes me feel a little bit like I don't understand it, but I understand it a little bit when Kenny Pickett comes off of an open guy and goes to Jalen Warren, because it's getting to the point here where it's automatic that Warren just rips off an insane yard after the catch number. Yeah. Not every time, but almost every time. And then you go into the second half and you give Jalen Warren, what was it? I think I saw he got five touches in the second half. Is that accurate? Something around five touches. How do you let that happen as a coaching staff? Let me find, I'll find the halftime summary and I could take, because it was nine carries. And uh, so at halftime, it actually had uh, only three carries. So six carries in the second half. Uh, Najee Harris did out touch him, and it makes you wonder because Najee ends up with 12. But at halftime, maybe they're trying a little like, Oh, look over here, now I'm gonna hit you right here. Like, make a bit like maybe like, Oh, you were dealing with Jalen Warren all first half, now you're tired, now let's hammer him with Najee Harris. I I get that line (laughs) of thinking, but when a guy's running and playing as well as Jalen Warren, I say again, he's playing like the best running back in the NFL, you gotta ride that hot hand. Najee, I don't have always the biggest problems with Najee, but you could definitely see where he's not hitting holes fast enough. He tries to hit to the outside or run in an area that maybe he shouldn't go. A lot of it's like hindsight, but at some point, it's like you can't just say somebody. I know I'm going to come back to bite me in the ass saying this, but Najee's been around a lot longer than Kenny Pickett has more starts. You can't just at some point be like, well, this guy had a bad game or he didn't see it this time. It's It's a pattern, right? And he's played behind bad offensive lines, but when the other guy's getting it done and sparks the only life that you had in the offense, it goes down to like these last drives in the game that I think I do want to talk about before because we got a lot to say about Kenny Pickett too, right? And just with the wide receivers, they were an afterthought the whole game. Pat Fryermuth comes back, just wasn't there. But specifically like with Najee Harris, and then I'm going to say Chooks Korfor, People are trying to also make this link and say, well, the coaching staff doesn't like to be bad mouth, blah, blah, blah. And that's why these guys were sat or were no longer the starters or whatever. They're playing below the line. They're replacements. This is the not for long league. Jalen Warren is outplaying Najee Harris. Now there was something I had said earlier, maybe a month ago. And I said, if you give Jalen Warren the same plays as Najee Harris, let's see if he could do the same thing. Cause it felt like Najee was doing the dirty work. And then Jalen comes in third down back, whatever creates Defense sits back and just waits, you know, it's third and long, third and 11, like we're getting used to. Everything's got to be a struggle. And then Warren ends up making something, you know, uh, takes crap and makes, you know, a salad out of it. Let's see what he can do when he gets the ball earlier downs or whatever. And there's times where he's stopped, but not as frequently. I mean, he's, he makes it, he makes the guys in front of him, that offensive line looks so much better. Broderick Jones, you get behind him. This gets to where I was at. I got to pull up the game log here at the end of the game, but you had some drives near the end of the game. You had two drives, in fact, where the Steelers could have, should have, would have won this game, especially after a poor punt that got them the ball like right around that Elf logo, right? 
you need like 15 yards or so. And Chris Boswell is going to be in business. He could kick a 50 yard field goal. At least you're going to put him out there and try. Right. And they bring Najee Harris. They try Najee Harris out here and run him to the left on Dan Moore's side. Dan Moore is getting abused. He's a revolving door. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I'm like, what are what what is this team doing? Um, that's aside from Kenny and the, the problems there. The run game was working, okay? And the second, obviously, the second uh, drive that they had was pass, 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 where you could have just ran out the clock at least and maybe got to overtime, made the Browns, like, force them to use some timeouts, or maybe they don't have the time to do what they did at the end where the defense is absolutely gassed. And now guess what? Because your punter sucks and the Browns get the ball and only need about 15, 20 yards in the same situation, the field position battle has just been awful the entire time. Uh, yeah, those last five minutes, last last six, seven minutes, we were outcoached and outperformed. Double whammy. Double whammy. It made me remind before I get to the very end of the game, the very beginning of the game. Safety call. Safety, not safety. Ooh, probably a safety. And, oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. It was a safety. How does that help? How does that help Kenny Pickett? Like right out the gate, he's getting slammed. It does not help him, and he's under duress the entire game. That's number one because we we got a lot to say about Kenny. Again, with something like this, you've got the what Jerome Ford touchdown, and they show an overhead shot, but the camera is back behind the line of scrimmage, so you're looking at like a 45 degree angle through bodies, and they say, "Oh, he crossed the line." I did not see any definitive point where there was video evidence. Dude's wearing what, like the dark brown shirt underneath, like his pads. You can see like his arm. You can't see the football and the football's in his other arm. It's behind him. The officiating was poor. It almost felt like a makeup call for the non-safety. Maybe it was, but that's just my point is that the calls were bad. You had a roughing the passer call split second. DTR has the ball, like just releasing from his hand and like, was it water? Was it high Smith? I forget. High what, Smith. I was high Smith pretty much like kind of bounced off of him and even made sure he rolled and fell to the side to not fall on this dude. And they call it Kenny gets driven into the ground. This was toward the, the, the this was, I think it was in the fourth quarter. I think it was the drive. It was the drive where they don't end up scoring the touchdown and they tie the game. And I'm like, where's the call there? That was, if they wouldn't have called the first one, Maybe I'm not saying so much about the other one, but how many times has been Kenny been driven into the ground like this? I'm not trying to make excuses, but the guy's under duress, probably playing. They, you could still see Charles Davis was talking about how he has the jacket on still for his ribs. He had a hurt knee earlier in the year. So his mechanics are going to suck. His body is like, not, he's not 100%. Like some of these throws are just going to sail, not to mention some of the miscommunication that's going on out there. <coughs> so part of my point is, on they had a drive they had the one drive toward the in the fourth quarter it was the field goal okay let me try and bring this up chris boswell kick okay so kenny pickett second and 12 from the cleveland 17 
empties out the backfield. Now, this was, I think, Jalen Warren might have still been in at this point. Sends Jalen Warren far left, top of your screen. You've been under duress. Your quarterback has been getting moved around all the time. Some people think that Kenny has happy feet. That's fine. I'm not going to disagree with that. But when he's feeling it as much as he's feeling it, it needs to get the hell out of there. Most other guys, you want to put Mason Rudolph in there? I don't think Mason moves as well as Kenny does. Probably gets sacked seven times, and it would be very much a spotlight that the offensive line is not doing their job. Mason Cole, bad snaps, missing blocks, whatever. Dan Moore, revolving door. But because Kenny moves, but now you put Kenny in a position where it says, hello, Browns team that's been sending the house all day long. Come and get it. We are definitely passing the football. And I just, and lo and behold, he gets sacked. Lose 10 yards there. You got um, third and 22, and you put Najee Harris back in. Now Najee gets 17 off of this because Cleveland plays more of a prevent defense. It that That's one call there in this fourth quarter that drove me absolutely crazy because if the Steelers can secure a touchdown here, you either get, you maybe you get that penalty and it inches them a little forward. Maybe you leave Jalen Warren in. Jalen Warren runs the ball. Maybe you don't run a freaking empty set so Jalen Warren can pick up a blitzer. And you score a touchdown, you have 14 points. It's more than what the Browns ended up scoring. It's, it's, it's these decisions like that that make it so hard to uh, properly evaluate what Kenny Pickett is. Um, yesterday was probably his worst game of the season, and the good throws were few and far between. It's hard to find any. Uh, he's got happy feet. He's not trusting what he's seeing. He's not keeping his eyes downfield. When he does, he still checks it off. It's tough, man. I want to give the people fan flash and analyst flash. Flash. The fan in me wants to say, we've seen better out of Kenny Pickett. He's done better. Um, he's made throws. He's made the right choice. He, he's shown signs at times of being the right guy for the job. And then you get games like these where the analyst in you has to come out and say, man, that was, that was pretty unwatchable what we saw yesterday. But you do have these questionable, to say the least, coaching decisions from the Steelers where you have him going empty when he's been under pressure all day. You have him checking the ball down almost immediately to Jalen Warren when the route concepts by the receivers haven't even begun yet. Like, is that Kenny being nervous and just taking Jalen Warren? Or is that the coaches in his ear saying, hey, get it to Warren fast right away. He's our playmaker. That's the kind of stuff that we don't know that is completely in the dark that makes it hard try, trying to evaluate what Kenny Pickett is doing. Um, and when you're a guy like Kenny Pickett, who's a first round drafted quarterback and you're supposed to be the next franchise guy and you've got fans on the hook, like hoping and wanting, wanting to see good football play. And you give us some, you give us plays here and there, a couple of fourth quarter comebacks. It's games like yesterday where you don't get that fourth quarter magic, where you don't get those handful of clutch throws in a game. You really, we got nothing from Kenny Pickett yesterday. And when you don't have the few good things that he's been able to do, when you don't have those in a game, how bad he plays is really magnified and yeah. under the spotlight. I can't, I can't be given a platform like this and I can't be trusted to tell people what I'm seeing. I can't pee on people's shoulders and tell them it's raining. It's bad from Kenny Pickett right now. I think he can play better because we've seen better and I have hope that he'll play better. But it, right now it, we're in a bad spot 
the Steelers are in a bad spot. I'll just give it to the people straight. And it's almost worse that Kenny Pickett has played well at times throughout his early career because I think you know and I know that when this season ends, Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy next year. It it would be very extreme and aggressive for the Steelers to just move on from him after this year and try to draft a quarterback or try to get somebody else in here in free agency. It's just not what they do. Look how long they've held on to Matt Canada. They they've invested way less into Matt Canada than Kenny Pickett. And when you try to explain that to people, you get misunderstood as, as a Kenny Pickett apologist or somebody who's not seeing the bad. And that's not where I stand at all. I want better. (laughs) I would kill for better. But I'm trying to see the long term, the long term goal and the big picture here where we're kind of stuck with this guy right now. And that doesn't excuse the bad play, the missed throws, the bad games, the happy feet. I'm just trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you should. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him. In fact, I feel like he needs reset. It'd be good to maybe sit him a week or two if he's not 100 percent. And I mean, you saw what the Bengals just did with Burrow and continue to do with Burrow and Burrow. Yeah, if he's that, hurt, uh, he's hurt. If he's hurt, use yeah. that opportunity to sit him down for, I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you think he's too hurt to play like the good Kenny that we've seen the few times throughout his career, sit him down because it's, it's getting indefensible at this point for people but, like myself and you. Yeah. But, and by all means, I'm not trying to make excuses. Maybe he just won't be the guy, but I'm also trying to look at it from a, a point of even going back to last year when he became the starter, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go at this guy's career. Uh, he gets, um, gets knocked out of a game. What Baltimore gets knocked out. Um, uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa Bay. And then Mitch ends up playing against the Panthers. Um, he's already got, he got knocked out. Uh, earlier this year with the knee injury. Uh, what was that week three or four or whatever? The Falcons um, and the Jaguars game. Yeah, thanks because I'm drawing like blanks here and you end up playing Mitch Trubisky and then Trubisky ends up throwing three picks in that game. And it's like, he's not really the answer either. I alluded to, he might not be the right mentor, but there, there's no consistency for Kenny. And it also doesn't help that this offense is completely broken. Uh, we saw like some instances here over the last couple of games we got to give credit to the Cleveland Browns defense too. And they're playing yeah, on the road. Absolutely. In Cleveland. Absolutely. That's a big component of this because you saw them score on two opening drives. You saw them score, have a few scoring drives and maybe have some semblance of an offense, but they were unable to ride this momentum for whatever reason. And whatever reason that might be damn near. should have given up a safety on the first play from scrimmage. I mean, look what happened when that happened with Ben Roethlisberger and the ball that just got fumbled and everything when you're t- in that playoff game. Uh, oh, no. yeah, that, that, that's a great point, too. Not, not everything is Kenny's fault. Momentum. And that's where I get uh, misinterpreted as an apologist. It's like, dude, th- that safety, like certain sacks he takes, like th- it's not clear miscommunication with Deontay Johnson. It's not all on Kenny Pickett, but when you play as bad as he's played and you give the fans as little positives as he has, Every mistake the offense makes, it, it there are people that can just point right at number eight and be like, dude, that that's Kenny. That's Kenny. It's Kenny. And it's hard to defend because if he was better, that's why you don't see better quarterbacks get that treatment. You know, like if somebody like CJ Stroud takes a bad sack right now, or if Joe Burrow throws an interception, or uh even Trevor Lawrence like takes a sack fumble, people aren't immediately on their ass. Like, oh, that's totally on them because they've done better things in their career than Kenny Pickett has. Because we're at this 
standstill with Kenny Pickett's development. Every mistake the offense makes, every mishap they have, it's just got this exclamation point attached to it. It's tough, too, because you're coming in for Ben Roethlisberger, who didn't make mistakes, future Hall of Famer. When you're filling those shoes, you're used to your level of quarterbacking being here, not down here. Like So when you're like the Carolina Panthers, for example, or um, <coughs> any team that's like the Jets or somebody that's had quarterback. Now, Zach Wilson, probably. The Titans. Yeah, yeah, but Jaguars. As soon as somebody like they're used to guys being down here, not up here, like a Ben Roethlisberger level. And so the Steelers fans are a little more entitled when you drop down to the middle. It's like, oh, this guy isn't it. Got to bench him because he's not, you know, he's not all the way up here. And these yeah. other teams are like, hey, we might have a guy because they're like in the middle. So that's where you're at. It takes about three years for these quarterbacks for you to know who they are. I saw people say Kenny's gotten a, enough opportunities and enough chances. And that's just that's baloney. That's bullshit. No, he has it. And Mason yeah. Rudolph, even fewer opportunities. But then it's like Mitch Trubisky hasn't had any opportunities. The dude's played like he's had like 55 starts in the league. Like that's a lot of experience to be able to know if he could read defenses and find the right place. I know Kenny left a lot of stuff out there on the field. You just mentioned the Jalen Warren screen where it was like nobody was blocking and it was just like a quick dump off. And they had George Pickens on the bottom um, to the right and on a, in a one-on-one -on -one situation. He never looked there because he had a guy coming clear off unblocked off the edge. I don't know if that was a DB blitz or what, but somebody came off completely unblocked. It's in his head by this point in the game. What he's processing and interpreting is, is like, I don't have time. I can't find anybody else. And the same thing, like you said, uh, get it to Warren because Warren's producing. He's doing this. We saw it. We've seen it with like Connor Hayward. Tight ends aren't involved in this game whatsoever. Darnell Washington had like one ball thrown his way. Did Firemuth have a catch? Like a catch, maybe? Yeah, they they, they scheme like, Firemuth up on a nice screen, and it should have gone, dude. It should have gone maybe for a touchdown. Like <laughs> Kenny hit him on the twenty yard line, our twenty yard line, so eighty yeah, yards yeah, to go yeah. for the screen. He's got Mason Cole and Isaac Sumalo maybe someone else in front of him too. And there's one guy in front of them and he just gets around Mason's Mason Cole and tackles Pat Fryermuth. I was, I was stunned silent that that screen didn't go farther because it's all you could see was Fryermuth, yeah. his blockers, one Brown defender in green grass. And the dude gets around Mason Cole and tackles Fryermuth after a gain of like six, I think. Yeah, and then the Warren play, like there were three brown shirts with orange pants all over them, and it's like how and many. And ironically, Firemuth was open on that play. I saw the yeah. replay this morning again of that play. He runs like a little post inside, wide open, and but well, before the guys break on J on Jalen Warren, and Kenny still throws it to Jalen Warren. You make a very very good point as I'm going through the rest of the uh, the plays here because we're going to get to the bad Browns punt and what happens after the game gets tied. But some of these plays, like ineligible man downfield. Like these plays are taking too long to develop. And yeah. some of that is starting from the center position. Mason Cole, they, they I, I hate seeing a highlight. You could see it. They don't uh, usually like just put the spotlight on it, but there was one where Kenny's hands like all the way out here. Great. You have two seconds to throw the ball and you've just wasted one of them by trying to secure it. Now what yeah. is he supposed to do? Like send it into the stands or whatever, or a miscommunication with Deontay or Deontay, not no, no trusted with him at all, being able to catch the ball or whatever might be the case. But there's not, that that's a whole lot. That's a whole part of it. Or um, the coaching itself is it wide receiver coaching? Is it Matt Can Matt Canada is ultimately you know it's Tomlin and it's Canada and Canada should be coordinating the offense. So you get all these different groups together. These guys like break off a route and there's like no 
Like that was the great thing about Ben Roethlisberger. And I think Kenny can have that with somebody like a George Pickens where Ben had it with Antonio Brown, where it could be playground football because they had an understanding. I'm going to go here. If this happens, I'm going to go here. If this happens, they had a feel for each other. There's no feel right now between Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, and or George Pickens, who ends up making like a matrix like catch right after this bad punt. The Steelers force a three and out by virtue of the only penalty called on the Browns. Uh, you had Hudson that was called for illegal use of hands. TJ Watt gets a, um, a a really kind of crappy, dumpy sack, but gets uh, they lose two yards. And so it was uh, third and 22, and they pick up like 14 or whatever. Elijah Moore, they were well, well off the rocker here. Ends up punting. Bjorkes punts 25 yards. Steelers get it at their own 48. They're right out at the logo. 12 yards over to George Pickens. The ball is thrown like behind him. Why is the ball thrown behind him? What is Kenny seeing or not seeing? Is he is he not anticipating? Because we didn't have that. Like, I know you were at camp in all preseason. His anticipation was just fine. His timing's just fine. That's what makes me think there's something else. There's something else going on here. He's part of it, but it, it's a team game. There's something else going on here. Coaching, whatever. Yeah, it almost, it almost doesn't make sense, man. The 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 thing I keep reading is what happened to, to Kenny Pickett. His his development has has regressed. He's a lot more gun shy. He's got happy feet. He's he's unsure of what he's seeing. He's not seeing things. It's yeah, it's it's so bad at times that you have to. We're not even trying to make an excuse here. It, it's trying to find an answer more so how you could see a guy play so well in the preseason and develop or seemingly develop as as the captain of the offense and took real command, was throwing all of his passes confidently. And the minute that 49ers game started, we were right back at square one, like as if it was Kenny's first live game action again. It makes, it almost makes no sense. Yeah. Think about when we've been bitching though, 49ers defense, Browns defense, Browns defense again. I mean, yeah, hello. The, <laughs> the perspective is important. And that relates kind of to what I was saying. We're like, when you're when you're having as as rough of a season as Kenny Pickett is having, and you're and you're struggling the way he's struggling, whenever you play a really good defense, it's it's on full display, and it's just it it, it gets ugly, and it it is important, and it can make you feel better remembering, hey, we're not playing the best and the second best defense every week, but it, it doesn't it, it's hard to get that message across to 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 fans because it, it's the wound is still very fresh right now from what we saw on Sunday. Oh, it's very fresh because they get the ball and you have the 12 yard pass to Pickens. Now you're at the 40. So you're like 55 to 60 yard field goal range, right? And Kenny attempts to pass uh doesn't say who it's for like uh, like a lot of this game is a blur because I was so pissed off at some point and that might have been the deep shot where there was nobody on the TV screen yeah uh short short left though it said oh, okay I don't know yeah that one it was like yeah that looked like an awesome ball we're finally going deep like the only time like it didn't have time to in a lot of cases I know like um there's a lot of people analyzing film and they're saying he was really rushed here it didn't have to be that does come back to coaching because it's in his head by this point. Again, the first play of the game, he's like taking a safety, a sack for a safety. Like what the hell? And so now you have Najee Harrison second and 10 on the Cleveland 40. You put Najee in, you run him left guard and he loses five yards. And now I'm ready. I mean, I need a brick to throw at my TV. Not one of the foam ones, like a real brick. <laughs> Kenny, then short right, Jalen Warren, only two yards. Stopped by Zadarius Smith, of all people, a freaking defensive end. 
Like they didn't see this coming because you can only go to the well so many times on third down. And then Presley Harvin punts 29 yards. A full 29 yards. Way to go, dude. And somehow the defense still pretty much forced them out. They get one first down here and they force them out. And luckily the Browns, this might not happen with other teams. And this is why the inside linebacker position and metal with the safeties and everything else concerns me so much. If David Njoku doesn't drop like a bazillion passes in this game, this could have been far worse. The Browns did not take any deep shots. I was worried sick at some point, but they knew they just weren't going to have that same amount of time where the Steelers just didn't really figure that out. They never really took a shot anyways, but they knew TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, these guys are going to get home. We don't know our guys' accuracy, arm strength. They knew there was a deficiency with uh, Tom Thompson Robinson. So they didn't even try for it. They ran, the, they tried to run the ball and it didn't work. And they still won the game by eking it out, playing it very eerily similar to the way the Steelers usually do. Yeah, credit to them because uh, Charles Davis was calling for that on the broadcast too. Like every other play, like the Browns can take a deep shot here because the Steelers are really sitting on these routes. And he said it like three or four times and the, the Browns never like change strategy, which usually that'll, that'll kill you in the NFL playing that conservatively. But the Browns figured out a formula that the Steelers couldn't, couldn't stop. It was like death by paper cuts. Yeah. Jim Donovan, I caught some of the Browns call on the radio too. Cause I was like all over the place with doing this game. I was uh, sitting at a Steelers bar and then I was, um, then I was uh, commuting home and I caught some of the halftime and Jim Donovan, uh, because I caught the XM was the Brown because it was Brown's home game. I caught the uh, Browns call and Jim Donovan. He's been doing that like 25. He actually showed him on the broadcast. He's actually a very good one. He's one of the top guys in the NFL. I, that's not, I think it's Bill Hillgrove. He is too. Uh, but it's all they talked about. And I forgot who the color guy was that was with him, but he's like, yeah, in the little stick route, something else here, uh, maybe try and like take it deep. I understand what the Steelers were trying to do too. The stuff that goes out to Jalen Warren, whatever. They're trying to stretch the field, keep Miles Garrett, Zedarius Smith, and these guys off of your cornerback. So from that kind of standpoint, I wasn't too upset with that. But the execution was just so piss poor, and they never tried to get like these eight, nine guys out of the box at any point. It was like both teams were just doing the same thing and beating the snot out of each other, right? So you get down to this point in the game, and now the Steelers had they had. They had the bad punt from the Browns. They got good field position, did absolutely nothing with it. I know Presley Harvin, what are you going to do punting from the Browns 43? He punts 29 yards, but it only goes to the 14. Maybe you don't want like a touchback or whatever brings him out to the 20, but geez, oh man, like that's just, it, that's, it sucks. What it, What's going on here? A high school kid could do that. Yeah. You got to pit him a little bit more. Maybe you could put a little more pressure on them. Tom Tomlin's still trying to win this field position battle, right? He's trying to inch them further back to their goal line. So when you get the ball by default, maybe we could trip over our shoelaces on offense and get Boswell in the field goal position, which is what should have just happened on the previous drive. If you didn't make a bunch of, insane play calls well the Steelers get this ball back but Bjorquez kicks the ball 59 yards from the 32 now so they were at their 14 and they got a um a 16 yard play uh Kareem Hunt run play and the defense is starting to show signs of slowing down and you only got so many bodies to rotate in there because you're already calling people in from off the street which by the way Miles Jack uh reportedly and Rappaport while well, we've been doing this in the building so oh nice with the Steelers so that looks Breaking like that's news. Yeah, it looks like that's going to happen. So I, I, I'm semi-excited for it as long as he could stay healthy. That would be a nice feather in the cap. Him and Roberts together would probably be better than him and Bush or Spillane. So I well, I think you did that. a good job summarizing or, or explaining earlier that 
um, he got cut because he he cost so much money. Essentially, yeah. like he didn't have a a bad season with the Steelers. I wouldn't go that far. It just wasn't like the Miles Jack from UCLA and from the Jacksonville Jaguars was viewed as like a Devin Bush player when he was good yeah and a playmaker can cover can do it all and at this stage in jack's career he's just more of a solid linebacker he isn't a bad player but he's solid and um for vet minimum we'll take a guy like that right now with experience who's familiar with our defense and, and can just just help uh give us some solid veteran leadership and depth in that area we we need reinforcements at this point if we want to make any kind of run at this last playoff spot second to last playoff spot the Steelers need to continue turning over stones. Yeah. Jack's only 28 years old. And I mean, it says, this also speaks volumes to a Mike Tomlin led team. Mike Tomlin calls on the phone. You like Mike Tomlin. You liked playing for Mike Tomlin. Like Pittsburgh isn't like, you know, this, you're not going to South beach. You're not going to like California or LA or New York city in the big apple. You're going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Let's call it what it is. It's trying to win football games here. Yeah. It's not a destination, but the play for Mike Tomlin, the guy's going to come out of retirement with the Philadelphia and they were just like, you know, in the Super Bowl. So like, he doesn't want, nah, probably not going to see this, but he's going to the practice squad, which makes him an even bigger bargain. What is that? Like 20 grand a week or whatever. And he'll, he yeah. could be called up and then we'll see what goes on from there as far as uh roster building, but back on the game here, breaking news, getting in the way of things, right? Prolonging this. Um, Kenny Pickett. Pass incomplete, short right to Deontay Johnson, deep right to Deontay Johnson, short left to Deontay Johnson, all incomplete, three pass plays in a row. They got the ball back after this 59-yard punt. They were on their 30, 142 left on the clock, punt it at 128. The Browns get the ball with 118 to go with a couple of their timeouts, and then that's pretty much the ball game. Something's got to give. You know, you knew it was going to be them or us, and – as a Steeler fan, it, fortunately, I feel like we're usually the ones that have the the reason to celebrate when the clock hits zero. We, we're usually the team that is able to, like you said, trip over our own feet into a field goal and, and win the game. Um, yesterday, it just didn't go that way. It was it was the Browns' time, and, and that sucks because it, you you get to a point watching this team where you almost expect it. You know, um, each punt that we got, each punt that we fielded in the fourth quarter towards the end, I thought this is it. This is going to be when the Steelers take their lead and Browns go home crying. Um, unfortunately, though, it didn't happen that way this time. Yeah, I need a maths with Joe session here because I need to get a graphic because the only one I got is the um, the Brian one, which is just good enough. Brian, you're here in spirit. Brian was trying to jump on. He's actually available this week, but I didn't want to do the three of us. This show would go two hours when it comes to this game. <laughs> and you haven't been around for a minute, Zach. I mean, I've been traveling and everything's been busy. You're working... Zach tweets out yesterday, embarrass him a little bit here, maybe. He's going to laugh. He's like, I'm going to go work on my basement ceiling now. And I thought it was totally like a joke, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to be in the basement, maybe the ceiling, whatever. Like, there was some something punny there. No, he's legitimately working on his basement ceiling. <laughs> take out the anger, yep. man. Ripping things yep. out, hammering things. Take out your anger. I, I had the thought. I had the epiphany, I guess you could call it, yesterday as I was pulling staples out from above me right here. I, I had the thought to myself as my phone was in my pocket buzzing. I was like, I, I totally understand like dads now, man. Sometimes you just want to get away <laughs> and do manual labor because literally doing work feels better than focusing on your own misery and yeah. just, just getting away from football. I didn't want to watch any of the four o'clock games. I didn't oh, want to hear about either. the, uh, 
offensive deficiencies of the Steelers. I didn't I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to answer my phone. I just wanted to come down in my basement and work. That's funny. One, one guy commented, "Oh, can I can I join you and hang myself down there?" I said, "That's a little bit not really what I was looking for, dude." So this it took a turn. I, I'm actually working on my ceiling. I wasn't trying to make a dark joke. Yeah, come on, folks. Like, you're really gonna kill yourself over a football game? But and just uh, in the spirit of Brian, we're we're thinking of you. You've been on for like a month straight. Got to give somebody else a chance. So <laughs> that's with Joe. I'm gonna make one like that. I don't have time to do it right now. Um. What in the hell? Defensive delay of game when clearly was it Harrison Bryant jumped on that field goal attempt. You saw his head bob and everything. Yeah. All the players are like, hey, now I get it. You go to undermine the game and you're calling for a penalty that isn't there. They blew that and then call it on the Steelers. This ball was going to be snapped from originally the 20 to 24 yard line. Steelers 24. So You've got anywhere from 15, 15, 20 yards you add on that. If you go very extreme, that's a 44-yard field goal attempt. It's probably more like 41, 42, um, however far back you want to take it from there, and then the 10 yards from the you know the goal line to the back end zone where the posts are, right? So just very just rudimentary, 40-ish yard field goal. Should have been another five yards tacked on. At least give the guy a little more of a challenge and entertain our thoughts of a missed field goal in overtime. Like I was just like really pissed off that they missed that call. I don't know that uh, Dustin Hopkins is going to miss that kick anyways. But it was just like let's let's pour a little more salt in the wounds while we're at it. So yeah, but you're you're right that you feel a lot better as the other side of if you feel a lot better as a Steeler fan if a guy's pulling up from forty plus than forty less. It's just something about that range with field goals that when you're over 40 yards, you can give yourself that hope that it might be missed when they're inside 40 yards. And they're like a 10 year veteran, like Hopkins. I, that was about when I realized I don't even know why I'm watching. I watched just in case some miracle, but he split the uprights. Yeah, I hear you. So, well, where do they go from here? Cincinnati playing with Jake Browning and they've got a mini buy to kind of get their stuff together. I don't think Cincinnati has quite the same defense that the Cleveland Browns do. Another divisional game. You got the Steelers that are sitting third in the AFC North at six and four. They're two and one in the division. Both the Ravens and the Browns are three and two. Baltimore still needs to get their bye around the corner here. And they have a rough schedule coming up. This is actually where, you know, in the preseason, Brian and I had said, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see if Cleveland was only like a five or six loss team total through the end of this season. We Yeah, I mean so, they they're firmly in the playoff picture, kind of firmly. Yeah. And um if we know the Steelers, they'll win next week. Yes, and I know everybody's going to be like fire this guy, fire that guy. Look, take a deep breath. If all of this stuff transpires again next week, then I encourage you to bring your pitchforks and torches to the Arizona game that's going to follow after that. You're going to have I'll two more the games Ubers. there. Huh? I'll pay for the Ubers. <laughs> pay for the Ubers. <laughs> It'll remind you of the old Cleveland Stadium when the team was moving and they were ripping out the stands and throwing like debris on the field. So the yeah. <laughs> uh, 95 Browns. So I would totally do that too if they decide to move the Steelers somewhere. But that'll do it for us, folks. I think that's covered, like we said, examining every aspect of the Steelers' loss to the Browns. I think we covered most of it. Um, is there stubbornness on this coaching staff? Maybe. You alluded to it with the running back share, your the allegiances and whatnot. I know Najee was kind of PO'd. He could say what he wants. 
or Chuk said something a week or two before that. Guys, you got to play better. And everybody else just plays below the line too. We know there's some spots that need to get fixed on this team. There's already people talking about tanking and losing the rest of these games to get a better quarterback. Newsflash, the Steelers probably won't be sniffing that unless they give up like the next several years of first round and top draft picks. And they're still not going to just walk away from Kenny because for all the reasons we said, we don't know what all is impacting his play right now. And if it's and that's not what the Steelers do. Yeah. It's just on what they do. We we know this franchise, it's, they've held on to Canada for this long and that they're going to well, continue to give Kenny Pickett his chances until they they feel like they have a complete bust on their hands and if they don't, they're going to they're going to continue to work with him more because they want they want to see him grow. It's it's the most frustrating and, and rewarding part of being a Steeler fan is is their stubbornness/stability. You just have to hope that they're making the right call in these situations. Does any team actually do this though? Like, you know, they usually kind of wait it out a few years, right? I mean, I mean, the Jets. Yeah, it's, had it's a, extremely rare. That's that's why. Yeah. That's why Josh Rosen is the poster child for like moving on after one year. It just doesn't really happen, especially if your quarterback has shown any semblance of being able to play, which Kenny has, albeit in small spurts, and it's been a little while. But that, that's why they're probably going to continue to stick with him, at least through his rookie contract. And I'll say this about tanking. Tanking in the NFL doesn't happen, okay? It, they, people try, teams try, and sometimes are able to pull it off. But the NFL is its own unique beast of a pro sports league where the game is so physical, you can't play half-assed. You've got guys on every team. Just look at the Steelers as a microcosm of this. You've got guys like Trenton Thompson, like Michael Walker, like Dan Moore. These guys who are viewed as not superstars by any means, but they're going to play their hearts out and play their best because they're playing for their next paycheck. They're playing mm -hmm. for their next roster spot. They're playing for their game tape. So the idea of tanking is ludicrous. And just you sound so dumb when you're like, the Steelers should just lose every game on purpose. They would never do that. The Dolphins even had a hard time getting away with that. They got investigated. Brian Flores got fired. All that mess. A team like the Steelers won't ever do that. Yeah. And be no, thankful for that. No, but yeah, the, the, forget the guys that are on the field. You're like talking about replacing someone and they're not going to have their job. I guarantee yeah. you, I'm going to do everything I can to keep my job and keep everything that, you know, I get paid to do. I need a paycheck. I need to put food on the table for my family. And it, like, it's a very small window in the NFL. So that's why like, you can't necessarily just say to take the only way you could tank is if you literally sit people down and then there's no guarantee that guy's going to be back the next year. And particularly so when you're outside of a Steelers situation, it might not be the same coaching staff. They come in, somebody else new has a whole different philosophy. And that's something I thought about too, if and when they were to move on from Matt Canada is do these players and the it the scheme that they're looking to run. Same thing with Terrell Austin, you know? Yeah. And I think that's more really like um when you look at it as an overall picture, it's more of a Mike Tomlin thing with his stamp and imprint on the defense. And they did they did well. They did everything that they needed to do. I know they didn't stop the Browns at the very end, but that's where you get down to having guys that you got Miles Killebrew out there, for example, playing because now like Elijah Riley or somebody else gets hurt and Killebrew is strictly like a special teams guy. Or uh, you have, um, like you said, Trenton Thompson, excuse me. Like, really, ugh, I was screaming yesterday. I was upset. Um, it should be crying, too. But, yeah, you're you're trying to get by with the patchwork defense that is held for so long in this game. And when you get down to it, I mean, there wasn't, like, a huge disparity in time of possession. But that defense just made two big stands 
as opposed to when you had that um, the field goal drive that tied the game and you kept them off the field. What was that? Like it was like in real time, that was uh, seven minutes or so of real time. I don't know what the real time was with the other drives and the bad punt by Harvin, but it was like 30 seconds. Guys yeah. game and get a sw- try and get a swig of water and let that even go down your gullet in 30 seconds like <laughs> like hey grab your helmet ready to roll again like it was like so, so rushed and so bad and the one the one three and help. out i think it was the deontay johnson sequence the three passes i think it, they said it was like 16 seconds that yeah. got taken off yeah for the for the actual clock yeah it was uh 142 to 128 14 seconds mm, yeah and then he and harvin punts and it was a whole 10 second thing and that was about it so yeah, there's a lot of bad. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily like jump off a bridge, but it doesn't Day's look... darkest before the dawn. There you go. Batman, Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises, filmed in Pittsburgh. There you go. Yeah. I did that on purpose. <laughs> sure you did. Like the Dorian Gray references. With Brian comes up with some stuff. All right, folks, we've been up against it. There's just been so much to really chew off here, and it was good to have the flashback on the program thanks for joining us zach welcome long sigh for i'll me. be back long sigh for me because people know i tried to find the optimism or i tried to find the silver lining and i've been saying before like the team had been playing just enough to get those wins and then if they could keep building on this there's like a light at the end of that tunnel this was not one of those games and the only thing you could hope for is is that yeah the defense played they played better you might get some reinforcements with minka miles jack maybe somebody else in the safeties or maybe trenton thompson continues to like ball or something you know what i mean and then that looks better you at least got the defense for the offensive side i don't know what you do it does start with the quarterback i don't know what's wrong with the quarterback i don't know how you fix the quarterback maybe you got to bench the quarterback and the other quarterbacks that are available if they were already better they'd be playing ahead of them so that's all i could leave it uh leave it at that don't forget to like comment subscribe until next time follow flash z flash nfl <laughs> i'm yeah. doing like and subscribe but yeah follow me too yeah um and until next time my name is joe his name is zach we encourage everyone out there to be safe be good and we'll catch you later we would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website www.steelcityunderground.com